You are listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. Here are Pastor Phil, Pastor Brian, and Crystal. Well, welcome everybody to our uh, weekly podcast. Uh, our weekly podcast has a, a new name. It is The Millennial, The Man, and The Magnificent Crystal. I've just got that stuck, and I, I just I, I just have to stay with it. Crystal, I hope you don't mind. Uh, uh, yeah, that sounds more appropriate. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. The Magnificent Crystal. That way, maybe, you know what, Crystal, maybe, I don't know. Does that invoke, like, uh, we're going to expect you to do, like, a magic card trick or something at some point on our podcast? Maybe no, <laughs> no, it just means that, like, everything is better when I'm here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, absolutely. Uh, well, you know what? It's um, it's good to be able even to be able to have a moment uh, to laugh in what has been just a, a a a tragic, you know, ten days uh, for our country. You know, I'm not sure the full weight of how the I think the full weight of the death of George Floyd uh, was evident last Wednesday when we recorded. I think for uh, some of us, the full depth of the pain of what his death represents has become even more and more and more real. And speaking as a 57-year-old white man, I think that I and maybe some other people that I might represent in my demographic, so to speak, I think the pain of the uh, journey uh, that some of uh, or all of our brothers and sisters of color uh, have experienced. There's no way it can become as real as it is to them, but I think it is becoming more, there's a greater sense of awareness. And so so we come to this moment with, with heavy hearts and uh, to this podcast with heavy hearts. And so, you know, part of uh, the brand, if you will, of the man and the millennial and the magnificent crystal is authenticity and transparency. Uh, we try to be that way all the time uh, in church life, but this podcast gives us an opportunity to pull back the curtain and be even more so. With that, we, we enter sort of a little bit of a sacred ground and sacred time uh, as we talk about some of just our thoughts what I'd like to ask each person to do, and I'll, I'll go last if that's okay, to share a, a reflection that is on your heart from the past week. The, the, the thought that might, maybe it's not the thought that's the deepest thought you've had over the past week, but the one that keeps surfacing for you. And sometimes those are different, right? Sometimes we have thoughts that surface that later develop into deeper learnings. Um, but what's the one that just, keeps coming to mind as as you reflect on the events of the past week with the death of George Floyd and the the response that we have seen in our nation. So the reflection that keeps kind of repeating itself in my head is simply, what is it going to take? I've heard people express uh, exhaustion and I've heard people express frustration and cynicism and cited countless examples that have happened over the last decade. Just that question has been kind of reverberating in my head. What is it going to take? I don't have an answer to that. And I've 
valued the expressions of tiredness uh, and honesty that I've heard. And I wish that we could have an answer to that and surge towards that because there's a lot of energy that wants to, to do something right now. Awesome. Um, thank you, Brian, for sharing. Um, and I, I can kind of relate to that, you know, you know, what is it going to take? <laughs> um, you know, is, is, are we finally going to wake up or, you know, some people still don't, you know, aren't internalizing it. But um, probably for me, the biggest thing that has like just consistently been on my mind is the phrase, I mean, heard it a lot at the beginning of the pandemic and, um, you know, some of the circles that we're in for such a time as this, right? And so, um, you know, I just was dwelling on that because, you know, it's just interesting that the events of the past two, three weeks, a couple months, then thinking about years, it, the time around it and how God has prepared hearts, minds, and spirits in this particular time isn't an accident. As I think specifically for myself, and sorry, this might be a long drawn out answer, but I'll get to a point eventually. I grew up in Arizona, <laughs> so you can imagine there wasn't a whole lot of diversity there. I was usually the only Black person in my class, which was a very awkward position to always be in, especially Black History Month, because you know, when we talk about Black history, obviously Crystal knows everything about it. So let's ask her all the questions and make her the teacher for the month. And so during these times, I often think back to, I don't want to be the resident expert on this. I'm not the resident expert on this. Living in that tension of, you know, not wanting to like be seen as, you know, the Black person I can go to and ask questions of, but at the same time, I may be the only Black person that you can go to and ask questions of and kind of struggling with that, God, why am I in this place in this time? And, you know, the different communities that I exist in, um, you know, there must be a role and there must be a place for my voice in this. And so how do I sit in that as well as honor that, um, but also um, protecting my own sanity in that? So that's what I've been probably been thinking about most, but I have another thought, but I think you might hit on it later. So I'll, I'll hold that thought. May I respond to what you just said, Crystal, just with a thought, what I'm not sure if it connects or not, but, and actually this touches on Brian's just a little bit, but you know, when this first started, even that's an inadequate phrase, right? I mean, so it's, it's George Floyd, it's Breonna Taylor, it's Ahmaud Arbery, it's, it's then just keep going. I mean, just keep going all the way back and all the way back. I believe well-intentioned desire to help and to do something was you know, one, one of the first things that comes to mind, right? It's just, it's, it's what you, you want to do. You want to learn, you want to take action. And, but then hearing from some of you, as well as some other friends in Church of South Washington and some others, that now is just not the time. It's not the time to ask our uh, brothers and sisters who are African-American to come teach us how to how, how to how to see things right. It's just not the time for that. And, you know, when you think about it, what that's doing 
is asking to learn, which is a good intention. By learning is a good thing. But you wouldn't ask someone in a grieving family. You wouldn't walk in and say, hey, you know, can you help me learn about something? You'd, you'd wait. And there's an appropriate time, but you'd wait. And so our rush to get to knowledge is the, and I don't even think it's the white experience necessarily. I also think it's just the human experience to sometimes rush past pain. You know, a lot of times we just want to rush past pain. And so Crystal, I just, that, that image of you as a, a, I don't know when you were in Arizona, elementary or middle school or high school or all of it. And, and having to be the uh, black history, you know, expert and like, hey, tired of, you know, it, it's being the black history act expert, right? And also probably feeling pressure that you might get it wrong. You know, when I'm, in, when, when I'm with my family, how, how many of us, when we're with our family since we work for a church, if somebody has a, a crazy Bible question, they ask us, right? right and you're like, right. man, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to find some of the Old Testament books in the Bible without locking up, you know? So it's just a, 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 a pressure to feel the weight of representing all of Holy <laughs> Scripture. Maybe that's, that's some of the, the thing you're, you're, you're saying. But what, what, what phrase came to mind there, Crystal, for me, is that tension that is real between not ready to help somebody with truth and yet realizing you might be the bridge to understanding. Makes me think about a counselor. Counselors help people see what they haven't previously seen. Um, and a good mental, emotional health counselor helps unlock people's vision for issues and ideas, uh, but they can't do it 24-7. They have to take a break. They can't always be in that mode or they will burn out and they, they, they will become ineffective. And so I hear some of my uh, African-American brothers and sisters saying, hey, just been counseling way too many patients for way too long right now and need to take a break. I've got, I've got this thought and it might be really clumsy and it might be really wrong. Okay. So I'm going to lay it out there. There are multiple issues with, let, let me just stick with the George Floyd situation. And if I think if some of us are not careful and I'll just speak maybe in to the, in, in the white community, you hear the, concept of racial injustice and you begin to think about theory you begin to think about attitudes of the heart uh, you begin to think about christian theology and teaching it, the the solution becomes subjective and what i mean by that is it's dependent upon each person's experience with the truth with scripture, with, you know, their heart opening up. And so it becomes a little, it, it, it's beautiful because if the heart is converted, then uh, a converted heart on issues can do far more than any policy or program can. But it, it's still in that realm of the subjective, subjective experience. And so we start throwing around concepts and words like, you know, e even tonight, you know, a prayer for racial justice or, and, and it becomes that slippery subjective and it's important. That's really important. But I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that a crime was committed that is not subjective. A crime was committed by a police officer and the three others standing around him and 
on all the other experiences of this, a actual objective crime was committed that needs to be prosecuted and punished. And so you have this, I don't want it to get lost in the sea of, of heart conversions, if you will. I also want the facts also to just guide and the video and the evidence to really drive. And I know the justice, I, I pray that with uh, the attorney general of Minnesota is a, is a, a, a good hearted man. He's driving the, 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 the case. And I know that the racial injustice issue is more than this one case, but I think they have to get, they can't lose sight of the fact that this was a crime. It was just a, a, a crime. Maybe it's not getting lost. I hope it doesn't get lost, but it, need, it needs to happen. So that's one of my thoughts that's just bubbling up. It's not the deepest thought, but they need to come out and charge the other three people. They really do. Because that, that exacerbates the pain. That's exactly why people all over the country and world are saying no justice, no peace. Any follow-up thoughts to, to all of what we just said? Well, it was part of the introduction and I wanted to um, just kind of talk about that for a moment where you, I mean, we were together last Wednesday. So we tape on Wednesdays and we were together last Wednesday taping a podcast and it was about summer, you know, (laughs) but this all was still, you know, happening and unfolding. It's interesting. And I think this just speaks to the experience of many African-Americans. Before, I was on probably an hour and a half long conversation with, you know, another African-American woman where we were crying and discussing everything that was happening and were able to lay our souls bare. And then I'm like, oh, it's time for the podcast. Let me go ahead and take off that hat and put on the other hat and, you know, just go on with my day, knowing that after that podcast, I was going to call my nephew. You guys know Miles. And I'm like, I have to talk to Miles today and process this with him. So I, I think it's interesting to know or to note that this is just, this is the African-American person's experience where all of this stuff is happening around us, where we're processing it. And, but you wouldn't know it because one, people don't, in certain um, situations, people don't even understand that this is a thing. So for me to come in in certain environments and be like still a weepy mess would not be received as something like, oh, I get this. Like what is wrong with her? I mean, yeah, we saw this happening, but you know, we don't know the whole story. We don't know the context. So she's overreacting versus understanding that this is, a whole lifetime of experiences compounded upon everything that my ancestors have experienced. And for me to just show up and to be able to like compartmentalize and say, you know what, that part of who I am is not, I, I, I'm not expressing it right now. And knowing that I have to go to the next part of who I am in just a moment after this, it's just a reality. I mean, honestly, I, if we said, hey, let's talk about this last week, I wouldn't have engaged in that. I would be like, I do not want to talk about it. So when you mentioned that, that's what I thought of, just kind of how people come to spaces where there is so much that they've just left at the door in order to still function as a a productive, you know, human being and all the things I have to leave at the door in order to not just be in a constant rage. Wow, that's that's powerful, Crystal. Let me just reson. Let, let me just encourage you. I, I or, or just affirm. I, I just 
the energy it must take to shift gears. And you may not even realize the energy it takes for you to shift gears, right? I mean, because you've done it so much and had to do it so much. That's really extraordinary. I also wonder if last week there was still a bit of shock and trauma. I mean, even though it's a familiar, unfortunately, you know, sight or occurrence, you know, a, a, a black man at the hands of a white officer, you know, it's not, it's not new, but it was such a shocking, traumatic experience that those, those types of experiences also take time to actually settle all the way in. Like, is there ever, and I don't want to put you on the spot here at all, is there anything that people can do to help in the shift, shifting gears? Would, would it be as simple as a trusted relationship where you can say, hey, I, I, I don't want to talk today? So it's interesting. Um, I mean, I think it could be a lot of things. And it's individualized as well. But I mean, I think it, and I mean, we can, I can think back to like other examples, not like dealing with, um, you know, what we're currently dealing with. But when there have been experiences where people, you know, have just experienced something like very, where they're grieving, they're mourning, approaching it in similar ways. Like it, it's a little awkward, you know, sometimes to be in that space with someone, but knowing that, you know, I might, like me as a concerned person might want to talk and they just might need space, you know, and at other times they may have so much to say and then offering space for that. But I do think it really comes down to relationships too. Like, um, you know, for us, the three of us to have this type of conversation, it has been built upon years of journeying together as a staff team and as friends. And if we hadn't had, if we don't have that type of um, foundation, I think it's really hard to lay yourself open and be transparent and vulnerable. So I do think relationships are really important. And I think sometimes it is, you know, leaning into the awkwardness of it all. So knowing that, hey, my friend may be hurting, maybe I need to ask them. They might not tell me, maybe I need to ask them. And then respecting that they may not be ready to respond. Resonating thought I have is just the need for particularly white people to have a posture of humility. This isn't a time frame that we need to set. You know, we can't tell other people how to feel or when to feel or when we need clarity on our terms. Uh, they're just, I'm just struck by a, a huge need for a posture of humility and a, a realization to kind of take a step back right now to, to not vacate positions of leadership, but also to think before you act and to really hear. Yeah, one thing I might add is like, so there are layers and it's complicated, right? And we're not always going to get it right. But I think the value of like saying, hey, there's a role for everybody to play is understanding that we're all kind of like learning this together, unless you are racial reconciliation expert, you know, <laughs> but we're, we're still all learning this together, right? And um, having a bit of kind of grace, extending grace to each other. And that, and also extending grace to yourself, I think is important. And honoring the various emotions as well as like questions that you might have. 
That's uh, it's all really powerful, um, powerful reflections. Uh, I'm going to wrap up our, our time by um, asking us each if we had to offer to the Lord a prayer request for our our country right now. And I say when I say our country, what I mean is the stew and the the primordial ooze and chaos we find ourselves in. If you had to offer up a prayer request, uh, what would it be? Uh, this might come out awkward because it's still a thought forming in my head. But I mean, opening our eyes to truth. You know, I think each of us have some assumptions as well as some lies that we've accepted as truth. I mean, definitely in our country, um, truth has become very subjective. And it's been easy for people to like, to take something that is false and believe that it's the gospel and to like something that, I mean, the sky is blue. But if you tell me, well, I see it as yellow and I can't argue with you. And I feel like we've gotten to that place in the country where truth is so subjective. Just reorienting back to simple truths that then we can build from there. Simple truths that we're all created in his image that we all are humans, that we, that there's more that can connect us than that can divide us. Yeah, and just starting with simple truths and then rebuilding from there. There's an opportunity to also, for him to draw us individually back to him or to him, you know, originally if we haven't initiated a relationship with God through Jesus, but like drawing us back and just really helping us rest in the truth of who he is and how that can help us then see the world in new ways. I just love the line of the Lord's prayer, that kingdom come, that will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. My prayer for the church would be that the kingdom of God would be such a central priority that we live like it. That entails setting so much aside that might be in place or that might need to be unlearned and retaught in a way that that's what drives our actions and that that's what we're, we're surging towards. I feel like that could sound, you know, like idealistic. Let's all love God, but we're pulled in, in many directions that, that take us away from that. And that, you know, with, with that at the core of the church, hopefully the, the sin that pulls people in directions that result in so much inequality would hopefully diminish. You know, Brian, I would not diminish the simplicity of, I wish we would all love God because I'm not going to preach this week's sermon, by the way, because it's not ready, but uh, it's Trinity Sunday. And so the, the Trinity formula of the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit you know, be with you. The love of God, when it is fully expressed and flowing through us, it, it loves our fellow human beings as own, and, and sees their dignity and their worth. And that's really the only thing that's going to change hearts on the issue. So I would not diminish that at all. You know, my prayer is right now, and it's changing constantly, but if I had to lift up a prayer, it, it's, it's a vision for a, a future. And I guess, you know, obviously the world, I want the world to be this way, but I'll, I'll just stick with our country right now. The, the word tapestry comes to mind. The state of 
race relations, you know, there's the phrase racial reconciliation and the Christian call to be reconciled is to be reconciled to God and that we have the ministry of reconciliation of, of helping people connect with God that naturally then enables people to connect with each other. I, I, and I, I don't know where I heard this. I don't know if it was an uptick catalyst or somewhere, but to even use language like racial reconciliation, there's just a really good chance the races have never been at peace. And so how can you reconcile? I, I think what I would ask the Lord to do is work in such a way in our country that we can value and appreciate and honor the equality and dignity of every human being without them losing their cultural distinctive. It's what I talked about this week with the Holy Spirit being that power and that force that can unite without subjugating people. And Jesus is Christ over or for culture. And the gospel goes into every single culture. We don't have to have our African-American or our uh, Latino or our Asian brothers and sisters become white. And I know, I know that's an old phrase and I, I know that's an old concept, but I think, I think in order to really experience healing, it's, it's to appreciate and to honor the dignity within each culture as a tapestry and not I, that word melting pot doesn't work for me right now. I don't want people to lose their, their identity and their distinction. I want to experience the strength of how God blessed this cosmos with, with diverse people. Amen. And we offer these prayers in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. For more information on our church and other ministries, visit oldtown.cc. Services are available to watch online every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com. Search Old Town Community Church. This podcast and sermon audio are available on podcasting apps worldwide. Apple and Google Play. Search OTCC Podcasts.